Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right, hola mi gente. I hope you're all doing well today. And welcome back to another episode of Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, today I have a really special guest and I'm so excited we were able to get our interview started because uh, it's just been a crazy time. Let's be real during the world we're living in right now. Now, I want to introduce to you my really good friend and just really awesome poderosa mujer, Carmen Baltares. Oh, dang it. I probably butchered her name, but she'll go ahead and correct me after I give you some background about Carmen. Now, Carmen is actually the owner of two brands. One of them is known as the East LA Girl brand and Carmen Be Fit. Now, Carmen Be Fit is more of a lifestyle brand where she does incorporate a lot of healthy lifestyle and self-love type of, of affirmations. And then with her East LA Girl brand, it's more of a It's more of a community that she built from scratch that puts together a lot of workshops. And so far, she's hosted two. She has another one coming up soon, but we'll talk more about that as we go on with the episode. So, Carmen, can you go ahead and say hello? Hi, you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Estrella, for that lovely introduction. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Now, I'm pretty sure, like, you heard me tell my listeners, did I butcher your last name? And if so, how would you say it? <laughs> yes, and that's okay. Uh, so my full name is Carmen Baltazar. <laughs> Dang it. See, and, but no honest, worries. You want to change my name? <laughs> yeah, right? No, but honestly, oh, my goodness. No, honestly, guys, like, you can be gringa. You can be Latina X. You can be Caucasian. I would just, I always just butcher names some way. Sometimes even butcher my own, but you know what? That's okay. Now with Carmen, I'd really want to dive into what it was like for her to be like a first gen student, especially like going straight into a four-year university during high school. And thankfully we were able to talk a lot about all the different challenges, but also positive outcomes that did come from all of that. So Carmen, can you go in a little more detail of how was your first gen experience As um, a college student at Cal Poly Pomona, what did you study? And go ahead and just give it to me, girl. <laughs> okay. So for starters, I attended Wilson High School, which is the one in East LA. There's two of them. There's one in Long Beach as well, which is, I think, the most commonly known one. But I went to the one in East LA and I finished high school. I actually end, ended at a 3.9 GPA there. So I was like, Oh, yes, I can definitely dominate the world. <laughs> I have a good GPA. <laughs> and then I ended up having to take remedial courses for uh, Cal Poly Pomona, which is where I attended my my uh, higher ed experience. And well, undergrad, because there's, there's higher education and you got like undergrad experience. So we'll say undergrad. And so... I had to, right after graduation, I had to go into summer school and attend for my remedial courses, which were for English and math. Uh, I realized then that my skills needed to be, uh, you know, fixed and roughed in the edges a little bit. So I had to take those courses and I also had to take it a little bit more serious than I anticipated because it took me a little bit more hard work than I think, and I'm not trying to compare my journey to anyone, but I did notice that there was a difference in stress factors as far as like 
maintaining a GPA because I had one course only that was going to count towards my GPA. And so that's when I realized I did not attend a high school that gave me a lot of, I guess, not that they didn't give me the resources or the knowledge, but I think they just didn't have everything that an, uh, another high school, maybe in a different community would. And I don't know if the expectations weren't there either, but I was also an AVID. So AVID was the organization that made me uh, believe in myself and made me realize that I needed to at least give it a shot and attend a four-year university, which of course it can be. They also told us, you know, attend a community college if you want to, um, but definitely try college. And with that, you know, I definitely felt like that was the biggest motivation factor for me. It was already placed as an expectation for me to attend a college, but by my parents, but I didn't, I just said it. I'm just, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And so it was even till I, till the day I graduated, I said, I would still say I got my degree for my parents. I didn't get it for me. I got it for my parents because that's what they wanted. And I don't regret attending a four-year university, which I ended up graduating in five years, but you know, they called it a four-year university. I do not regret it. However, I, I have student debt and I do have that, that accumulated, but I definitely wanted to at least give it a shot and see for myself if I was able to, you know, push through, which I did. I graduated. I got my degree in psychology. That's my, that, that's what I ended up getting my degree on. Um, and I was telling us today in the beginning that I, she asked me, well, how did you decide uh, on psychology? And it was just one of those things that my intuition just told me, like, go with that, go with your gut, go with psychology. And I ha I felt a lot of joy thinking about that degree. And I, I felt a lot of curiosity as well. So it just felt like that was the place to go or like that was the, the best choice for me. So, yeah, I think that kind of <laughs> answers that question. No, definitely. Now, going back to the whole psychology, you've always been very in tune with your emotions. Would you say that even at a young age, you were so in tune with your emotions that that's why you chose to go straight to a four-year? Because something that Carmen and I were talking about earlier was the fact that being in a Latinx household as a, as a student in academia overall, whether it's high school, undergrad, grad level, there are a lot of different like challenges or you know, a lot of chores that could be wait to be done on Sunday, but apparently have to be done every single day. <laughs> a lot of those things come into play. So as I was talking to Carmen, I was curious and she turned on a light bulb because of her, her being so emotional, intuitive. Did she just know that she needed to leave to a university campus away from home in order to succeed the best way she can? Because as a Latina, we are given a lot of expectations and pressures that sometimes or not even sometimes that aren't really needed so what do you think Carmen did you did you kind of always know that it was best for you to just like leave the home while you studied no I did not I really went based off of like what I knew would distract me and what I knew would not help me um and it, that meant sacrificing some things that I enjoyed you know which was you know being with my family and also having that support system just you know a room away or even friends that were just down the street, which the friends that I kept in touch with, they actually ended up going to Northridge. So that's kind of like the other side of town from uh, Cal Poly, you know, 
Cal Poly Pomona is on the other end as well. So our middle point was East LA. And so I, um, you mentioned like if I had decided to go with psychology because I felt like I was in tune with my emotions and actually I went with psychology because I felt like I was not in tune with my emotions and because I felt like I needed to develop some emotional intelligence for myself, for my family and um, develop some stretch ma- stress management skills that I felt like I did not learn at all as a, as a youth uh, in my youth year. So I definitely did not know what I was getting myself into. It was all based on curiosity. I'm very intrigued by the power of the mind and it's kind of very trendy nowadays. So I just feel like, oh man, I definitely have a lot of like knowledge because of the textbooks that I got from my courses, you know? No, definitely. And that's just so funny that you're like, you studied psychology because you wanted to get in tune with your emotions. But for me, based because I'm, I'm a fan of both your brands. To me, I would, I would have thought, oh, she knows what she's doing with her life. So that's why I'm like, probably right after high school, especially because she knew what university she wanted to go to. She probably already knew what major she wanted. But did you feel like you always knew what you were doing? I'm like reflecting on that because <laughs> I definitely one that goes with the flow a lot, at least back when I was in, in Cal Poly Pomona. Um, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. I think I just, you know, like I said, if they just told me this is good for you, I'm going to do it. So I didn't, I had no decision making skills because decisions were made for me. And I also did not have, um, I guess that analytical capacity as well, because questioning wasn't something that was not that it wasn't tolerated, but questioning wasn't something that I was really allowed to do growing up. You know, I had my voice. I I definitely used my voice um, for the good, but I definitely felt like in the household, uh, I definitely had to be a little bit more just obedient in that sense. And do you think it had to do with the fact that you were a daughter? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what could you kind of elaborate more on that? If not, that's okay. Yeah, for sure. No, don't worry. It's I, I feel like I'm an open book on my both my brands. So it's like no problem. Uh, I think I think it was more because of my being the only daughter and having two brothers and then feeling like my ex- the ex- like it, I, just, I think it just comes down to those expectations that were set for me as a daughter which trips me out so much because when it comes down to women in positions that have to do with leadership they're we're still trying to climb that ladder but when you're a daughter it's like there is where's the climb where's the ladder in the first place because I don't even see it I don't see it and then it just feels like I'm running in circles and nothing is to my nothing is to the the satisfaction of what they believe their daughter should be like my parents are amazing 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 and I, I don't know if they'll ever hear this if they do I mean they're gonna they're gonna learn the truth but I don't think this is actually news for them because I've expressed to them how difficult it was growing up in the household, being the only one that was expected to do chores. My brothers, I mean, they're, they're very capable of maintaining themselves, but I definitely felt more pressure. 
you know, curfews were set on me. Um, there was also, like I said, I don't think I mentioned it, but I did dorm. And so coming home was an expectation. Coming home on the weekends was an expectation. And it's just one of those things where I'm, I still, to this day, I'm like, so are they going through the same thing as I am? Because that's what I went through. And it definitely kept me on my path. I'm grateful for that now, but I definitely felt the pressure. And I feel like that pressure was just uncalled for. No, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, again, being a first-gen student and academia and having all those pressures, like I know we related a lot when we were talking about like having to do all-nighters with our schoolwork at home. Yeah. Yeah, and our parents, they would, or guardians, whoever it may be in your household, they would come in and be like, why are you up to 1 a.m.? Turn off the light. But it's like they don't want to really open up and just try to hear our point of view. It's like it goes in one ear, out the other. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just they're just so used to only wanting to know what they know, and that's about it. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say on that? I call it the traditional mindset. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I have to I have to really label things sometimes just so that I don't get attached to them. Because if I'm able to understand someone's mindset or if I'm able to understand someone's just ways of being, I'm able to kind of like not take it personal, you know? And and my parents, like I said, you know, I look at them and I'm like, you guys, you guys did something right maybe a lot more than something but I, I I definitely feel like the emotional intelligence that I felt like my colleagues had I did not have the stress the stress management skills that I felt like I needed I did not have and my colleagues did have them like I just felt like the chillness was not there for me and now that I want that so much I fight for it honestly because I'm so used to being in a levels uh, in anxiety levels for the most part. So I definitely feel like the traditional mindset can definitely factor into a lot of, you know, daughters and sons. And so, you know, unless we have a conversation about how we need to adapt to new modern ways, then I don't know how we can really move forward. No. Yeah. And then going back a little bit on how you mentioned about time management and also you just like learning because me too learning how not to take what our other latinx relatives may say so personally i feel like okay what i'm trying to say is for example i remember in college well undergrad specifically because i'm still in grad school um i would always see and i would attend those time management workshops or like hear those time management webinars however even though i would sit through those and just listen to them I still felt like, no, like it just, it didn't click. You know what I'm saying? It just yeah. did not click. And it wasn't until I reached that mindset that you're perfectly explaining where you just truly understand there's nothing wrong with you and your guardians in the Latinx household, they're not bad people. They're just used to having their ways. That's okay. Just don't allow it to overbear you so much. And I feel like for so many Latinas that are in first gen, like our first gen in academia, they need to, they need to come into terms with that because it took me a long time. I mean, I'm 25 years old and it recently took me up to like less than a year ago to come to terms with that. And just hearing you say that and just 
put it together so perfectly. Like you can make a quote off of it. It just, I don't feel alone. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just so many things that fall under the term first generation student. And I know I boast a lot about like Latinx first gen students, but I'm pretty sure under minority groups experience the same things as being first gen, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said something that I think I, I've been pondering on this thought for some time because I have, so both my parents work. Uh, um, my dad's getting really close to retirement and my mom is actually deciding right now that she's going to retire with my dad early because she wants to enjoy the time that she has. Meanwhile, that she's still at a good age where she is able to walk and move her arms. And, you know, like today I worked out with her and it was amazing to see her in action because now I'm like, Oh yes, you do have the mobility, you do have the flexibility and you do have that ability to move your body. All it takes is you wanting it. So it's not that you can't, it's just, you don't want to, but now that she, I had to go install <laughs> the router and everything for her to, cause she, she, she's had it for, this is, this is her second year having um, beach body, which is where I do my workouts from. And I had to go install it for her, which again, my two brothers live there, but I had to go do it for her today. So it was nice. I got to see her in action and it worked out, but we talked about retirement. And one of the things that I have been pondering on a lot is what identifies me? Who am I? Does, does work identify me? No, because that job is not mine to keep. It could, I'm replaceable. Literally someone else could replace me at the point where I can't do what they need me to do anymore. And I'm also not someone that's just sitting on my butt. So that does not identify me. And I think about my dad a lot because he is like in the, like how we talked about the traditional mindset, the traditional mindset. I, I define it to be something that is the only expectation to do and live is work, just work, make money, pay bills, vacations. What, what is that? We don't know what that is. And self-care, okay? self-care. No, eso no existe. Uh, tú no te preocupes, tú te preocupas de los demás. That's traditional mindset is taking care of others, taking care of the work and you put yourself last. That's what I consider it to be. And I now see that my parents are realizing that it's really important to not identify yourself with the roles you play rather than identify the things that bring you joy. And that is who you are. Your joy is you. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And this is why I could see why your workshops have been so successful. Like, seriously, like, I remember when you first started branding, um, how to get in touch with your roots. That's I said that right, right? Because yeah, I have a rep for butchering yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No, yeah. And I remember... Oh, you <laughs> And I, I remember you like, do you know, again, posting about it, branding it and just, just it being so successful. I believe you even got it published on an article for Voyage LA, correct? Correct. Yes. And then you went ahead and continued on with a webinar, which was called Ponte, Sus- Ponte Las Pilas uh-huh. with Reina. Oh, no, sorry. No, the Ponte Las Pilas was the in-person event at Barrio which was before the pandemic hit. So we were able to have our in-person event. It was um, the the workshop 
was how to silence your negative. Uh, so learning to silence your negative self. Got it. Okay. The, the one that I had to do as a webinar. Yeah. Well, either way, both really successful. And now I really understand why you've been such a successful host. Like I always knew based on your content and you just being so consistent with the missions you have to empower other amazing women, but damn girl, you need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of writing, no, of course, speaking of writing books and once again, going back to how you're an educated muhead, I wanted to ask, like, other than the whole Latinx household, like playing some factors in your first gen experience, I wanted to ask, did other things play a factor in your first gen experience, such as the food you ate or feeling any type of imposter syndrome, (laughs) challenges? Can you go ahead into all that? So to answer your first question, uh, so what, what other things? I would say with the food. I went to a university that was known for hospitality restaurant management. <laughs> so they cooked good food. <laughs> so guess what? I would enjoy that food. So I, I definitely felt like, yeah, I, I, you know, put on some weight. Um, but that the food wasn't the factor. Literally, the food had nothing to do with my weight gain. It was the stress and the pressures that I felt from being a daughter, an only daughter, and feeling like if I failed the course, it was the end of the world. And being that, you know, my first semester, I did not actually live that like party life, college life, party life that I thought I was going to have. I didn't have it until the second quarter. And so I think I was really proud of myself with the way I handled it. I did not know what I was doing 100%, but I'm proud of myself for the way I handled it because I realized I did need a social life as well. So I joined a sorority. I joined Hermanas Unidas. The sorority I joined is Kappa Delta. Um, And then I joined, like I mentioned, Hermanas Unidas. Um, I was also very involved in the community. Like Cal Poly Pomona is actually really known for its diversity and multicultural experience. We have multicultural centers, which was... Asian Pacific Islander. Then you had your Cesar Chavez Center, which was for Hispanics. And then you also had your African American uh, Center. And then you had like your Pride Center. So it was very diverse. And I was also working for the Office of Culture Centers for, for work study. I didn't mention this to you. And I just remembered, I'm like, I didn't even mention that to her. But it was one of the, I was always I guess thanks very thankful for life because and and God because He always put me in situations where they were just like try it out you know see what happens and so work study was one of those things that if it wasn't for work study I don't think I would have joined an organization I started working in work study in my first quarter because like I said one of the things that's expected from me is to work <laughs> so I I definitely felt like I dragged that with me to my college experience because that's what I need to do. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I have really good work ethics, but ask me how my self-care journey is. That's a journey in itself. Just trying to figure it out. 
No, girl. And I completely resonate with you, especially because, again, just as you mentioned, when, well, you know this, and I know many of my listeners are aware too, I started off in community college, and then I transferred to UC Santa Barbara. Now, during community college, I don't know how I did it, but I was able to maintain my light weight. I don't know if that's a correct terminology, but you know what I'm saying. I guess you can call it your your healthy weight. You know, it's, it's not too low, and it's not too high. Oh, yeah. But once I definitely did transfer to UCSB, I felt those pressures, even as a transfer student, to like make sure the classes I needed to take for my major got the best grades possible while maintaining a job, meeting the expectations as a daughter. And the list can go on, but I'm just going to highlight those three. Now, because of all that, same here. I also found myself eating more than I usually would in the sense that all the Estrellita would have like three tacos. At that point, I would have eight in just one sitting. And it was like, again, it wasn't the food. It was the stress. However, again, it did lead to like waking where I I know for a fact it was past the freshman 15, even though I wasn't a freshman, I was a transfer. But it's just so crazy because I could even feel the food affecting me mentally, which is going back to your whole like self-love, mental health journey. Because again, like working hard, getting Mm -hmm. things done. My path with that, great. Uh, Mental health, understanding, (laughs) self-love. It's like a new language. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, again, I'm just so thankful that I've learned how to truly understand self-love, mental health at this age I am. Because don't get me wrong, even when I was in undergrad, I would hear about like, you know, the mental health center. I was actually going through through therapy my entire time at UCSB. But again, I just feel like it didn't click. It didn't mm-hmm. click until honestly this pandemic because our huevo, <laughs> we mm-hmm. were put to sit at home and just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I was still yeah. getting paid to work from home, but still just that working from home, it still wasn't enough to like keep my mind busy where I wasn't mm-hmm. finding myself thinking about my childhood or mental health. I don't know. Did that happen to you, girl? I didn't really start thinking about my childhood until I got married. I think I really, I, I really did like the, all, all I remember from being in college was trying my best to make sure I didn't lower my, like I didn't have a lower GPA and trying my best to be a present daughter and being a daughter that shows up. And that's, I, I feel like that made me really just be on this, like, constant movement you know I never had a moment to think think about like reflection no no yeah definitely and girl once again this is why we're friends like (laughs) even though we don't talk every day because we got things to do girl like you just took the words out of my mouth because again like again I was I was at a school that had the freaking beach I still just found myself just that tunnel vision of a daughter and do well in school. Oh, my heart. I felt that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like, ah, I feel you so much because you start to think, my goodness, I live by the beach and that could have easily been a tool for me. And, And yet I just saw what I saw. Yep. Yep. And my bad eating habits did not help. Obviously, no one forced me to eat like that. But I again, mean, yeah, it, it, and it just comes down to 
you can't even blame yourself at that point. You know, in the place that we were at, where we ate what we ate, you know, whatever was made at home is what we ate. So whatever you had at college is what you ate. Now, whatever you paid for was your choice, you know, but the things that we had at the dorms were because also we're trusting that that's going to be something that's going to not be so much of a killer for our healthy living, you know? And, and so I, I feel like at that point you were really not aware of what you were doing with yourself. Like you, you probably didn't even think food is fuel, which is so commonly used as a quote nowadays. And honestly, that's my model. Like for me to remember as much as I can, it's really hard because my gut still tells me I want carbs and my mind is like, you're going to regret it. So I'm still in the place where I'm like, I just need to listen to what my soul wants to eat. That's it. And so my soul calls for a lot of just cucumbers. It calls for, for even sushi. And I haven't had sushi, (laughs) but I, I definitely feel like, you know, we, all these things that we learn as we grow and as we evolve, we can take them, apply them or look at them and just look the other way, you know? So it, it, at, like I said, at that point, when you were experiencing all the unhealthy eating habits, I would say you can't even like forgive yourself for that. Don't even say like, I lived a bad time, you know, because you definitely did not know that that was going to happen. They may have warned you. They might've told you, Hey, you're going to experience the freshman 15. Yeah. But how does the freshman 15 happen? I don't remember seeing any sort of guideline of how that goes besides, you know, eating fast food. I did not consider the cafeteria to be a place as a fast food place. That's just how I learned, you know, and, and definitely like the, the guilt trip is definitely not going to help us, you know? So you you live what you live because that also helped you cope, you know. No, yeah, I say definitely. you know a lot. <laughs> I apologize for that, girl. I say now a lot. It isn't until now, season <laughs> two. <laughs> it wasn't until now, season two, that I'm more mindful because obviously, when someone first launches a podcast, I consider my season one as my trial podcast. And my amazing mujeres listeners, whoever you are, I was actually telling Carmen that my first season, when I would look at the retention rate and my listener support, I noticed that most of my listeners would stay in, you know, to listen to the full episodes if they were talking about. UC versus CSU or the undergrad experience in Latina's eyes, just things like that. And even in every episode, if it's not titled something school related, I at least spend 20 minutes talking about education. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, Carmen, I'm just so happy we were able to make this episode happen, which we're not done, by the way. I'm just, I want to give you this compliment before we keep going. I'm so glad we're doing it because it's like, you're bringing in that like first gen mindset that you experienced but can relate with me because I'm not gonna lie like sometimes I even felt like even if there were other first gen Latina students around me or Latinx specifically they didn't always get me like they would but they wouldn't but I just felt like ours were just so mirrored that I'm like Mm -hmm. I get you you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. I mean down to the whole what were we eating (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. You know, and oh my goodness. But going back to all that, obviously your past, everything you've experienced through academia or not, you obviously are an educated mujer. And based on your background with being so educated and so mindful, um, I wanted to ask, like, can you tell me and the rest of our listeners some some things about your affirmation bookmarks? I actually purchased two myself. Yes, you did. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Uh, So the affirmation bookmarks, it's a really funny story. I have one right here. Uh, So the affirmation bookmarks came about because I wanted to create something that would allow me to fundraise for a scholarship grant, which is completely just a vision and a mission that I have. It's not a, it's not to my benefit, I guess you can say, but I know that it's very solid in the sense of, a lot of people understand maybe why I created it because it's very, very much needed and necessary. And so I wanted to create something that would help me raise those funds. Bookmarks were the first thing that came to mind because I myself read a lot of books. I have my bookcase. I don't know if you can see it. Let me see where it turns this way. I have my books right there. Those are books that I've read or books that I'm planning on reading. I build my collection. And so I got tired of just like using post-its and using little things that were going to fall off or rip off from my book. So I would lose my, I would lose track of where I was at. And so I ended up cutting out a file folder that had a bunch of designs, just like a cute design. And I was like, I'm just going to make my own bookmarks. And then, um, sticker cell, which I learned about him through Vanessa, the business coach. And she had mentioned that she had a friend that creates business cards that creates just like, well, stickers in general. So I was like asking him if he would create a bookmark for me. And I told him like, kind of like what I was envisioning. And he's like, don't worry, I got you. He's, he went through my profile and he's like, you did an affirmation challenge. And I was like, yes, I did. And he's like, okay, I'll create a bookmark with affirmations. And so that's how he created this, which came all from him. Just like, you know, he, he came up with the question, what is your, the last page of your, what is the last number of your page that you're on? And that's going to be your affirmation for the day from the book that you read. And so I thought that was genius. And I was like, let's do it. You know, let's, let's create this and let's do it. And I'm going to start fundraising as soon as these come to me. And they've been, I mean, the affirmation bookmark has done so much for me. You know, it's the logo itself just reminds me of my mission. And then the affirmations remind me to be kind to myself and to also remember to affirm the positive things that I'm experiencing. And so, yeah, the bookmarks, they have really helped me in that sense. I know they have helped women and even their daughters. I got several DMs from some moms and they're like, Well, my daughter really loves Hunger Games. And so I decided to buy her a bookmark because I thought, you know, it would be nice for her to practice affirmations as well. And they tell me how it's nice to see them, their kids saying the affirmations out loud after they're done reading. And I get emotional because I'm like, that's exactly what I was going for. I just, you know, it's not just for mujeres my age. It's for girls that are younger than us. It's for girls that are even older than us. It's for the past, present, and the future. Like, 
These affirmations, they may be a silly bookmark to someone, but they mean so much to someone that has no idea how to be kind to themselves. So this, this is just a tool. And so, yeah, I just, you know, it, it became very much a, a dream come true to see and, and read uh, testimonies from moms telling me that their daughters are practicing affirmations at the age of nine or practicing affirmations as a teenager, you know, it's, it's so, it's so sweet. And, and that just keeps me engaged in my mission. No, of course. And I love that. And going back again, we're still on the topic with your affirmation bookmarks, but the way that it's all outlined, the way that it was all done. So like, you know, so niche and so purposeful, is that how your workshops have been too? Very much so. Yeah. A lot of my workshops come from just my life experiences. Um, the first one from getting grounded with your roots came from me feeling lost, feeling like I just couldn't get a hold of myself. And so I learned about getting grounded. And the only thing I could think of that makes me grounded is my family. Me simply going to my family when days that I have a bad day and just being there. Like I've, I've done things where I've done this, where I've gone to my parents' house just to go take a nap there. And I take those naps there unapologetically because I don't know when I'll be able to do them again. God forbid something happens to them, but that's where I get grounded. I also get grounded with journaling. Journaling allows me to see into my mind and read what's exactly on my mind and being able to, you know, give myself some grace and eliminate the things that do not serve me and simply scratch them off. If it's all negative, guess what? I'm going to burn that paper and not give it power because I don't need that negativity in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. So we talked about journaling and then I had um, Jackie from Secure Podcast. She was a guest speaker at Getting Grounded With Your Roots. And she's also another mujer that I think would really understand our experience as first generation students. And so her talk was solely on, you know, Get in, get in there, pick up that rug that has problems and pick it one by one and get to the root of the problem and then just learn how to not give it power. Learn to give yourself that grace, but also learn to not give it power because one of the biggest things that I notice with mujeres is that we think our mistakes reflect on us as our identity. And I know a lot of women that tell me how insecure they feel and it breaks my heart because I see, I literally, Estrella, only see good in people. I could only see good and maybe it's a curse, maybe it's a blessing, I don't know, but I only see good and, and I can't look, I can't, I can't see the darkness too much. Like it, it, to me, it would be like, but no, you have this, but no, and, and sometimes that's not healthy. I will admit, you know, um, unsolicited advice is not healthy. You know, I also have to learn to just listen, let them feel what they're feeling, speak their truth. And along the lines, when you speak your truth, you actually come up with the solution to your problems yourself. There's so much power in silence as well. And so, yeah, girl, like a lot of getting grounded with your roots was simply from what I was experiencing and how I applied some tools that I learned from events that I attended of tools that I learned from other women that were, I didn't look at, I don't like I mentioned to you when we were talking earlier, I 
I don't like the word influencer. I don't like that word at all because there's, there's a stigma behind it. There's a stigma right next to it. And so when you call yourself an influencer or when I call myself an influencer, I can't speak for everyone else. But when I, if I were to call myself an influencer, I feel like that's where the imposter syndrome kicks in. And I try not to let that imposter syndrome kick in. So I don't call myself an influencer. I simply call myself a woman that serves their, her community, a woman that serves women that need to learn about tools that need a community and probably need to change environments if they're in a toxic environment. So I create those spaces to get grounded and to simply look at the light, you know, <laughs> look, look for that light and, and go after it. I, I think the only, the only problem that we could never solve is death. Everything else has a solution. No, oh, definitely. Wow. When are you going to give a Ted talk? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's that should like, be your next. <laughs> that should be your next mission because I know there's TEDx Global. However, there are also a lot of TEDx like Cal State Long Beach, TEDx maybe Cal Poly Pomona has one too. But you can maybe. just apply. You can apply to the university. I know they have them at Community College. They're more popular at Cal States. Apply. Send in your your spiel, and who knows? Maybe we'll get to see Miss Carmen or maybe. the East LA girl Carmen Beat <laughs> On the next TED Talk, like, I'll be there first row. Aw, <laughs> thank you. No, definitely. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, one more thing I wanted to touch on was, obviously, these workshops took a lot of time. And I know your background where you've worked the nine to five while doing your entrepreneur journey. So I wanted to ask, how has time management worked for you with building these workshops and yet, like, just being able to be Carmen? Oh my goodness, girl. I, as we were talking earlier, you, you reminded me exactly of what it was and it came down to time management. And so I remember, cause I didn't always work from home. There was a year of me working as a job coach and I was working from the office and that's where I was actually host, uh, being able to hold my, my services for my students there. And I'm really good at getting things done early. So whatever it is, is that it, that is a priority. I would get that done. I would either set a timer and it would take me, I would just say to myself, okay, that'll probably take me like 30 minutes to do that. So set a timer, focus and zone in. I had that self-discipline in me. It wasn't, it wasn't during, no, actually a, a friend of mine taught me that. Cause she was, I always saw how hard she studied and I was like, how do you do it? You know what? I'm just going to study with you one of these days because how do you study? I don't know. So she taught me that. And so she taught me that she would set timers. I, I go hard on studying for taking notes and asking the question and, and answering the questions for 30 minutes. And the next 10 minutes are for me to stand up and stretch. So a lot of what I would do at work was that is I had my planner. I also always had like a, a to-do list notepad. And so my planner was for me to schedule things and anything that required my presence or anything that required for me to show up personally, something like that. And the to-do list was the things that you don't see, which is the background stuff, like the behind the scenes. So to-do lists were my peace of mind, basically. Uh, to-do lists are set from, like I do my to-do list either the night before depending on what it's for, or I would do it that same day just to get grounded and get settled in and just know, okay, 
I'm going all in and I'm just going to do these things that I have in front of me. So time management was what I had to really, you know, grind into in order for me to be able to do the things that bring me joy as well. So, you know, when you work a nine to five, you have those like 10 minute breaks that they say, okay, go, go have your 10 minute break, go watch 10 minutes of Netflix, wherever you want, go to your car, take a nap, whatever you want. I didn't use that time for that. I used that time for me to build my brand, for me to be either posting something or checking in on my stories, you know, things like that. The things that they say would be very beneficial for you to build your, your audience. And so those 10 minutes and, and literally nobody can tell me that I ever committed time fraud because I had everything scheduled and I made sure that I never took away time from work. And as soon as I would get home, I would work on my brand. So time management is what would really allow you. It's like true what they say in the morning. Maybe you're working from nine to five. You're working for someone else. But after that, you better be working for yourself and putting in the work for yourself. No. Yeah. Whether it be you building a brand or you building your marriage, you building your friendships, whatever, 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 that's Mm -hmm. how it should be. And Oh my goodness, Carmen. Once again, I just want to thank you for sticking through this episode. I had so much fun chatting with you and so many light bulbs clicked that I hope they clicked for others. Now, before we officially end this episode, is there anything you want to tell our listeners, whether it's where they could find you or another piece of advice? The thing that I feel like I need to share with you guys, number one, so I'll tell you where you can follow me. Uh, so you have two accounts that you can follow. The first one is the East LA Girl, which is where I host my workshops and anything that has to do with, you know, building your confidence, building your courage, or even getting grounded. Like I said, getting grounded was the biggest thing for me to be able to remember who I am. Uh, so that's the East LA Girl. And then you have Carmen Befit. That's where I really share more of my life. You see my dog, Penny. You see my husband, Moy. You also see my family. I mean, you see the things that I value. And then you'll also get to work with me if you would like. I'm a, I'm a beach body coach. Um, I call myself a healthy habits coach because that incorporates fitness, nutrition, and also involving yourself with a positive environment, which is a healthy habit as well. You can choose your environment. And so you can follow, follow me on those two accounts. And then the other thing, I actually want to make an announcement if that's okay with you. Um, so you guys can definitely, or please definitely uh, follow the East LA Girl because I will be hosting a workshop coming soon. And I am going to be announcing the dates uh, most likely. So today's August 31st. So by the end of this week, I'm going to be announcing the dates. Just want to make sure that the dates are going to work well. I always make sure that um, I try to make sure at least that uh, no other event is going on because I respect other people's missions and events. Not that I put myself last, but sometimes I want to attend those events myself. So I put myself first in that sense. I try to attend other people's events if it's something that calls me or I'll schedule it if it's something like, okay, I can do this, you know? So uh, I am hosting a, a more of a retreat rather than a workshop because a workshop is a one day thing, which could be anywhere between uh, one hour to four hours, depending on the topics and how much you want to share. And so this, this event, I'm calling it a retreat. And the reason why I'm calling it a retreat is because retreats are moments for you to disconnect and reflect. And so the name of the event is Honor Be Salud. It stands for honoring your past, being present, and salute to the future. 
I like to drink good drinks. So at the end of the event, my goal is to, my vision actually is to cheers to the future, you know, do it through Zoom, cheers to the future. And there's some things that I think a lot of women would really appreciate because I, I would at least, you know, want someone to have done it for me. So that's why I'm incorporating this. And so, uh, like I said, uh, we're at August 31st right now. I don't know when this episode's going to launch, but <laughs> I'll make it happen. Uh, okay. <laughs> so then I, We'll be announcing the date by the end of this week. Um, so it could be either the end of September or the beginning of October. All right. So that's that. And then the advice, I mean, you mentioned that your listeners have been really engaged with like the college living and, you know, CSUs and UCs, the difference between those two. I just want to say <laughs> that it doesn't matter what path you choose. A lot, you know, in California, at least the standards are the same, you know, the, the A through G requirements are the same. It all depends on the university on what they choose to place for you to uh, satisfy that requirement. So when you choose your courses, choose them on what you want to learn. You can choose them either as something you, re you consider to be a weakness. I call weaknesses, you know, challenges so that you can later be like, all right, challenge accepted and then go for it. Um, I wouldn't, I, I know it's hard to choose your courses, especially if you don't have like priority registration, but if you do have priority registration, be smart with your choices if possible. I know sometimes your, your curiosity probably will win and it'll be like, oh, this one looks like a lot easier. So you'll go with that. Something like that, right? I'm just using an example just to make you understand how it's important for you to listen to yourself and your needs and the things that you can do. Um, and then definitely don't go and apply for or register for courses just because a friend that you know is there. Um, I Maybe some truth bombs, probably, <laughs> but I think this is what I would have loved to hear from someone else just to have that reality check for when I'm making those decisions. And so it, it's not that it's a big deal, but sometimes it is because that'll really interpret how the year will turn out to be for you. No, definitely. I agree with you a hundred percent. Oh my goodness, Carmen. Thank you so much for sharing all this. And once again, for being on this episode and I'll make sure to pretty much make it happen that this episode airs <laughs> in time before your workshop occurs or retreat retreat two-day retreat. retreat yes uh -huh. all right that's so awesome all right everyone thank you for tuning in and i'll see you next week <laughs>